still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Tom, back, not in person this week. Um, you were in person to watch the boys go 10 from 10 at Franklin's Gardens. How are you? Very good, mate. Yeah, you couldn't, couldn't face save me this week after, after Saturday, could you? <laughs> no, I couldn't bring myself to go to Franklin's Gardens and then yeah um yeah no. yeah how was how was the trip well I was I was thinking about that you said you mentioned the um the, the 10 losses now from 10 and do you remember a few weeks ago I was um I was looking back through the archives and trying to find uh consecutive wins that we've that we've that we've had and how many we've had and it was all the way back in that 1885 86 great classic season when we got 10 win, 10 wins in a row in that season and we asked the question you know will we will we will we get to that and will we beat it and we hope not but yeah now now we're kind of net level with that and I kind of yeah I, you know I kind of I'm kind of almost feeling a little bit numb to it now G and I, th- I think that's reflected a little bit on on supporters that I've spoken to and, and looking on social media and you know that that is the problem in many ways with with, with ring fencing, but it was, it was, it was so inevitable, you know, fourth in the table, now third in the table in Northampton. And we, it just never felt from 62 seconds into that game. It never felt like we were, we were going to, going to, going to even fire a shot for the win. So, um, yeah, no, no massive surprise, but we, we, we sink merrily lower. Yeah. And we will talk in a lot more detail about the, the Northampton Saints defeat, Tom. And um, we're going to give our Thicter reading your Thicter reading from Franklin's Gardens, uh, the the roaming reporter, before looking ahead to uh, Europe, Tom. Well, I'm not sure it's going to get much easier for the boys in blue, black and white. Uh-huh. Maybe have a discussion about what we actually can get out of a brutal few fixtures in Europe. But also, I think whoever we were playing, we would probably struggle given the way we're playing and, and, and the players that, that perhaps we'll be missing at the weekend, Tom. But I'm keen to kind of get a... Uh, a few insights into the trip to Franklin's Gardens. It's one of the grounds that, that I've actually never been to in the Premiership. I believe it was your first time, mate. So, so how was the day out? Yeah, yeah. First time going there. I think it's. I think there's. There's. It's Franklin's Gardens and and the AJ Bell were the two that I I needed to tick off. I had been to Edgeley Park up at Sale, but yeah, never never to to, to Northampton. And yeah, I mean it's a proper rugby ground and a proper rugby town. A really really good away day. Um, you know the supporters were were great before and after. Had some had some kind of proper good rugby chats in in the pubs that that surround the the, the, the ground beforehand. You know everyone everyone was 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 really nice and I think very sympathetic to to bar fans that had made the trip to to Northampton. And it felt like the gate the, the the town itself, which you know I think is is a little bit tired as a as as a town and and with kind of a, what was previously you know a a bustling high street. I think it's kind of suffered a little bit from the, the the death of the high street and the death of retail. But it felt like the 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 you know the town really came to life on on match day. Obviously, it, it's not a particularly big place. Um, they've got a great history as a, as a club, 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, everyone was out and about um, piling into to the ground. It was it was basically a, a complete sellout, I think, by by Saturday afternoon. Um, and you know, they had live music and that kind of thing in the in just outside the stands, and pe- people milling about for a couple of hours beforehand. And then they get the the atmosphere itself in the ground is really good. It's quite compact. You're very close to the to you're very close to the the, the touchline. Um, and you know, there's there's obviously the the saints go marching on uh, chant that was 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 ringing around the ground. So yeah, it was it was great. I, I really really enjoyed the day. Um, well, other than the actual the actual <laughs> rugby itself, but yeah, great away day, and I uh, would encourage Bath fans, particularly those based in in London like ourselves, would encourage Bath fans to make the trip up there because it's it's only an hour or so just just north. So um, yeah, good were, day. Actually. Were there many Bath fans accompanying you, Tom, at Franklin's Gardens? Anecdotally, I mean, it, it didn't seem like it. I, I must say, um, you know. <sighs> Getting getting the train up from 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 London, there was a few Saints fans, but 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 barely any blue, black, and white. We kind of um, we, we saw a few a few Bath fans, a couple of whom hadn't heard of the podcast. So the guy I was with shamelessly introduced the podcast and subscribed this this poor person to the podcast. So if you're listening, um, we we met in a pub beforehand, and I um, yeah, I hope, hope you enjoy it. Um, but yeah, there weren't that many. There were, there were few and far between, and exchanged kind of sympathetic, um, you know, smiles. You know, pre-game, I think everyone kind of knew what 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 was going to happen. Um, so yeah, not 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 a great turnout. I don't think from 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 Bath fans. I think again, probably reflective of some of the mood that that that, that we're seeing that people are just losing interest and and losing the desire to to pay the hard-earned cash and to spend their weekends following a team that that's underperforming to the degree that we are yeah i do think though um just looking at social media quite a few bath fans have been saving up and going are going to uh leinster to dublin to watch the game probably booked it at the start of the season so uh yeah that that's going to be quite a tough trip for, for those fans if, if they do get there clearly COVID permitting at the moment but yeah that, that seems to be a tough away day for those guys but I'm sure Tom having been to Dublin a couple of times ourselves in the past um, they'll still have a great time out there so so yeah if you are going uh, yeah I, I'm very jealous even though the rugby might be a bit ugly yeah I mean talking about getting numb to it I think that would that would definitely be on the, the agenda but by way of by way of about 15 Guinness before the before the game um, yes, yeah, so it's a great place, great place to watch rugby. But I mean, we, we, we've been out there twice, haven't we? One close game with what, what was that five years ago or so, and then um, eight or nine seasons ago in a in a humping when they put they put they put fifty odd points on on us that day. So not an easy place to to go when you're in decent form. Um, let, let let alone obviously you know the the position we find ourselves in. And Tom, that that poor Bath fan that subscribed was forcibly subscribed to the podcast uh, on Saturday was doing things that, that all listeners should do. Please do subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. Leave us a little review, a five-star rating if you are enjoying it. Follow us on social media at Bath Rugby Plug. And please, if you're looking for a, a great Christmas present for your Bath Rugby friend this Christmas, then give them the gift of the podcast. Um, it's a free gift and yeah, I'm sure they would enjoy it. So, so tell your friends um, and please try and grow this this community of, of, of pretty downtrodden supporters, Tom. 
one of which, uh, one of which was, was obviously you. At what point did you know that you weren't going to be watching a Bath win on Saturday, do you think? Genu- genuinely, it was 62 seconds. I, I, I made a note of it and that was that. That was that first Northampton Saints try. And you know, the, we've spoken loads about the fence on this this podcast and it's, it's clearly remains the, you know, the, the biggest issue, I think, in in our game. But I was where we were sitting was kind of behind um, the, the post. So it was Bath were attacking in our direction and defending in the, the, the second half, which is one of those things where you get a bit unlucky and you don't actually see much rugby down, down, down your end. But it's... Um, it always seems to go that way, but I mean, yeah, being being at the the perspective that we had, you were really able to get a, a good view of the, the the kind of defensive structure, the defensive pattern, and it was just obvious even from those first few phases just how fragmented and and easy to to pick apart it was. And you know, I think we're we're generally pretty solid and we're generally very very physical in the sort of 10, 10 or so meters either side of the the breakdown, both on both sides. When we get get our big forwards in those channels, and we guys like Sam Munderhill, Will Stewart, uh, are winning are winning those collisions. But the moment the ball comes out the back or is is spread outside of our of our twelve channel, there's 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 simply it doesn't seem like there's any kind of system or or pattern in in place. Um, with flying up with dog leg there's no communication and honestly those first two tries so one in the, the second minute or whatever it was and then I think second one in the, the 11th the 11th minute was it Tommy Freeman or someone mm. it looked like a captain's run it looked like the warm-ups that we'd been watching about half an hour earlier uh, b- before kickoff because it was that easy that passive and you know there were some def- the, some sort of defensive errors individually and you know, we, we, we can go into those, but I think part of it as well is that I think the players are starting to lose faith that there's any kind of system or that that system works in any way, shape or form. And once the players aren't buying into what the coaches are saying, I mean, it's, it's, it becomes very disastrous. So yeah, long answer, but I mean, honestly, from, from that first try, I turned to the guy I was with and, and we both agreed that it was, it was going to be a long day and we just have to, to buckle up and, and suck up the punishment. Yeah, they, it looks so disorganised on Saturday. I watched the game live thanks to a, a stream that I was provided by a fellow Bath fan um, on social media, and then obviously watched the game as well this evening in preparation for the podcast. All, all, all above board, I hope. Oh, all above board. Oh, all right. above board. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> all above board, of course. Um, yeah, I watched it back uh, this evening, but I just couldn't believe how disorganised we were. As you say, those first three tries were all just carbon copies of each other and they just get the ball wide and, and we were trying to obviously hide Cipriani on the wing, which, you know, it just wasn't working because he had absolutely no idea what he was doing. And, and if he was in the right position, even if he would could, could get into the right position, which he didn't, he's not physically up to making a tackle at professional rugby level. And so it's, it's just completely, you know, so easy for the Northampton Saints, a team that do like to get the ball wide to, to their attacking backs. And they just couldn't have believed their luck at those first three tries. And, and I will say, one guy who I thought really struggled actually on Saturday, and it's a guy who, who is a friend of the podcast and has been on the podcast. So I don't want to kind of labour this point too much. And I'll caveat it, of course, by saying he just hasn't played a lot of 15s rugby. But I thought Will Muir 
struggled on Saturday on that left wing. All three of those, you know, breaks for those tries came down his wing. And, and I do think that he wasn't getting much support from the guys inside him or Cipriani, who was defending outside him. But he did kind of look all at sea and not really sure exactly what to do. And I think that comes from a guy that has been thrown into that position. It's probably not exactly sure what he needs to be doing anyway, compounded by the fact that he's in a defensive line that is just completely fragmented, as you say. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're a little bit inexperienced, I mean, uh, where you're lacking in coaching or any kind of structure in defence, you're probably the guy that gets exposed because you don't have those seasons of 15s experience to, to, to fall back on. You know, I've got no doubt at all that Will, Will Muir is, isn't, you know, he, he's a good tackler. He's a good defender. There's, there's, there's no way that he'd be falling off, off tackles. So, you know, the, the physicality that, I'm not, I'm not that, that, that got. but that's what, that's what I mean. And, and I, 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 looking at the players, looking at the reaction to the of the players when those tries went in and they collect themselves under the posts, it just looks like they they don't really buy in or have a clue what they're meant to do, how they're meant to solve the issue, how they're meant to respond to it. Um, and I, I, you know, I think. I think I think that's that's really that's really dangerous. There was a, there was an air of kind of resignation in I think the reaction to some of those tries by 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 the players. Yeah, from from minute one though, and that, that that's so worrying to see. Like they don't even believe when they're going into going into the game, and and yeah, you know, I think I'll talk a little bit more about later on about why I think that might be. But I just think yeah, as you say, they almost looked happy that it was forty points only. And that is, oh, that excuse me, but that is just appallingly bad. Another thing that was was wasn't functioning well, Tom, in, in that first half was the lineout. Uh, I, I think we missed three lineouts in that first half, and and that just allowed Northampton Saints to to gain territory or and gain possession back from moments where where we should be strong. And frustratingly, the lineout looked like it could be a relatively potent weapon. You know, for our first try, we did have three good mauls there, which led to that try, uh, and, and another maul at the end of the first half, which led to the the boys' try on the stroke of half time. But we just weren't able to get the ball enough times from from the line out. And yeah, Tom Dunn had a pretty tough day throwing in. What were the conditions? Okay, it looked to be. Yeah, fine. It was interesting because both teams actually threw a couple, not straight. I think we we. We we threw two or three, and Northampton Sam Matavesi threw a couple as well. Um, yeah, I mean it wasn't it was cold. It was classic kind of winter winter day, but yeah, it wasn't necessarily windy. Um, as I say, the stadium's quite compact, so I don't. It's always hard to tell from the stands, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think you can blame blame conditions for that. Mm. Yeah, it, you know, it, it just it wasn't an area that was functioning, and and. I don't think Tom Dunn as well is is, is having a, a stronger season as, as he has in in previous seasons as well. So um, replaced early in the second half. No, I mean by Detroit. Yeah, I think looking at the lineup as well. I mean, we're probably you know one one mitigating factor I think was how late on um, Josh McNally was oh. was pulled out from from the game. Um, it, it, it it literally was. I mean, we're, we're watching watching the warm up, and he, he kind of like they'd done all their lineup training. He'd been involved in, in doing those those lineup calls, um, and you know he then genuinely five minutes before <clears throat> kickoff kind of walked over to the, the sideline and was chatting to to Stuart Hooper, I think, and 
we were like, oh, maybe he's just, they're just subbing in and trying combinations, but he was called out. And that was honestly about five to three. So that, 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 that doesn't help. I mean, it's not an excuse because we still yeah. get Mike Williams in. We've still got Tom Ellis. We've still got Sam Underhill. We've still got Josh Bayless who can all jump. But I, I just think in general on, on, on the injury stuff, you know, it, it's got it, you know, when, when your backs are against the wall, when it's raining, it, it really does pour. And the, the, the bad luck with injuries that, that we've had, it's not, an, it's not an excuse, but I mean, we, we, I do have a lot of sympathy for Hooper and, and the coaches and the players because they just need a bit of luck. They just need a bit of, bit of a break to help them out. And when you get McNally pulling out right before the game, when you get Bailey, JJ and Roy McConaughey, who they only find out are injured the day before the, the, the on, on the Friday itself, um, or I think the Thursday in Bailey's case, both your halfbacks in the 20, in, in, in after the first quarter, it, it, it is unlucky. Um, and I, I, I do, I do, I do have sympathy because they must just think, and, I, and that's what I was thinking, just, just give us a bit of a break with this stuff. I, ha- I have absolutely zero sympathy for this, this, this excuse which, which I've been told about the, these injuries. The first line of the Bath match report on the Bath website says, a heavily disrupted Bath rugby were beaten by Northampton Saints at Franklin's Gardens. Luke Chartres is interviewed on the Twitter of Bath Rugby after the game, every single question he was asked, he referenced the fact that they were shorthanded. And that is just a complete bollocks excuse. Let's be real about the disruption here, okay? They lost McNally in the warm-up. But you've got Mike Williams, who is one of your locks in the squad, an experienced lock on the bench. That is not a big disruption. You then lose a scrum half, but you've got a scrum half on the bench. That is not a big disruption. And then you lose a fly half, who is frankly incompetent. That is not a big disruption. We're short at lock. That is Hooper and the coach's fault. We're in, we've got rubbish tens. That is Hooper and the coach's fault. And we've got rubbish backups from halves. And that is Hooper and the coach's fault. And yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just, it, that was made me so, so cross this evening, listening to those interviews, reading that match report. The disruption is not that bad. And and you wonder, Tom, why they just look resigned to to any sort of, you know, chance of winning that game after 62 seconds. Because if that's what they're being told and that's what they believe in the week, then they're not going to believe they've even got a shot. And if they're trying to tell me that the reason we lost that game is because we had some disruption in the backs and we lost McNally on just before kickoff, that's just a complete lie. And they're taking me for a fool. Yeah, I I don't think... I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more sympathetic than, than, than you, than you clearly are. I don't think anyone's, I don't, well, from the interviews I've seen, um, you know, I, I don't think that they're saying that's the reason, um, reason, reason we lost, but th- those are fairly significant disruptions. I mean, you can, you can talk, I mean, I don't think we've got rubbish tens for a start. I mean, wow. Orlando Bailey has been one of, the, one of the players of the season, but you, I agree Cipriani was, and I, I, I you know, he, I, I think he, he's, He's running on borrowed time now. I think we've we've probably seen all we need to um, about what he what he can offer, and it's it's been it's been hugely hugely disappointing. But I, I think it's 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 you know losing him individually is obviously you know he's probably excuse me he's probably not at the level that he needs to be as as, as you say. But I think it was it was the knock on impact that we then had 
um, to the rest of the backline and how we had to how we had to reshuffle. So Max Ajoma going to 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 ten and doing doing all the the kicking from hands responsibilities. I mean, he's not a ten. I mean, he he's never he's never been a ten. Um, he, he's a centre, um, and that 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 that's going to affect um, everything that we've been trying to do in the week. Also, Rocker Aguni then having to move to the centre again, a position outside centre, one of the toughest positions defensively that there is on the field. That's he, he's not a he's he's not a thirteen, um, and we know how massive a, a gulf there is between Ben Spencer and and Ollie Fox at, at the moment. So. I think they, they were they were big they were big disruptions. They're not the reason we lost, but I, I, I again I do have quite a lot of sympathy for for them just because we just we just need a little bit of luck in our favour, and we may not have affected the result. And then we could have a much easier discussion about the game. But I just think when that when it when it's kind of tainted with that, it a gives the coaches an excuse as oh, they as they taken. They've used that, but, but also. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I just, I, I just feel for them. I think we should, we should caveat everything we say with the fact that that, that was unfortunate. Particularly, G. Particularly uh, when you've, particularly when you picked a six-two bench as, as we did. I, I just, I'm sorry, Tom. I just think it's a crap excuse. Uh, I think we look no worse after the 20-minute mark than we did in the opening 20 minutes. And you know, we've got so that that pack is a pretty experienced pack even with the loss of McNally and you lose what him in the warm up, and then you don't lose another player in the pack and you've got the line out coach. Watch that Charteris interview. My blood was boiling when I watched that this evening. Well, and then the other impact is that obviously Mike, Mike Williams um, wasn't a rat as a result of him coming in and he, in classic Williams fashion well, was, was off, was off for 10 minutes as well with, with, with a high shot as well, which, which obviously didn't help and would have would have kind of rub 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 salt into 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 the wound into the wound a little bit. Um, yeah, but yeah. And much, much, more, much more to say on this game. Yeah, I don't know if we want to talk maybe a little bit about the the second half because you know we're in slight danger of of getting back into in, into the game. It actually went twenty eight nineteen on 48 minutes and Saints got a yellow card. So, you know, only nine points in it and up a man. You think, you know, fantastic opportunity for, for Bath to, for Bath to, to, to strike and to get at, get into this game. And, and, you know, one more try there and we've got something from the game. Um, but how do we react on? Uh, uh, yeah. it, it never felt like that to me. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe it didn't, but you know, oh, I thought well. I might get something at that point and we react. Yeah, well, our, our, close, our closest, the, 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 you know the thing that was on the line was can we get in my mind anyway at the time was can we get the four tries yeah we got we got three uh, the, the driving ball looked looked at times quite effective I mean we were we're 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 so one dimensional to be honest I mean the, the, the offloading game at times was was quite quite nicely put together I thought but when we get when we and when we got closer to the line to be fair we we generally were pretty good at at, at, at taking our chances I mean the, the Will Stewart Lewis Boyce um, kind of classic kind of driving pick and go tries and then Sam Underhill who was heroic to be honest on the day him kind of marshalling that mall for for the rolling mall I mean they were they were they were both they were all they were all kind of well taken tries and that was clearly the way that we targeted we were going to beat Northampton but I just felt like they were able to score with so much more ease than us it was so much of an effort and a labour 
for us to get our tries and we needed everything to fall our way. Whereas you just felt when we were nine points behind that Northampton could have 10 minutes where they scored a couple in quick time because we, we weren't defensively at the races and then the game would be gone. And, and to be honest, that's exactly what happened. And I mean, the, 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 def- the defense for the, 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 those couple of tries was, was, was pretty non-existent to be honest. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it was the, the cross kick, the cross kick. It was, it was just waiting to happen. They had three guys, I think, out there and they just, he, and then when we, we didn't clock it, we didn't really notice and then it was just straightforward. It was just so right. straightforward. It's like you get so many play- sevens players or ex-sevens players into your squad that the coaches think they actually have to play with seven players because it looked like there was about seven players defending on, on that scoring try at the end. It was, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's embarrassing defence and, and it looked like a championship side defending, Tom. And I think ultimately this, this probably is a championship level side. You know, with no relegation, we, will be, we would be playing, if there was relegation, sorry, we would be playing in the championship next season. And that yeah. looked about the quality of the side that was out there. And, and, and that, that's just appalling to say when you look at some of the names. Yeah, we probably would. I mean, what we, we are eight points behind, behind Bristol and then there's three points, three teams on 17 points. So, I mean, it, it probably would have been, probably would have been us, us or Bristol. Yeah. Um, by this so, point. And, and, and most, most likely us. So, I mean, and, and that, would just, that would just be horrendous, wouldn't it? And I think uh, it goes back to the point I made at the start you know, this is why it kind of feels just numb because there's there's no real, it doesn't feel like there's any real implications or um, jeopardy to this run of form. I mean, something will probably change at some point. Something probably fairly major will change as, as a result of all this, um, but, you know, it, it, particularly if it continues. But I mean, ultimately, we'll, 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 we'll go again next season and the season will remain ring-fenced. So there's no actual real hard implication for us of, of, the, of this form. Mm. Yeah, Tom, eight clubs, sorry, seven previous clubs um, in the 25 seasons of Premiership Rugby have lost their first nine Premiership games. All the previous seven have finished bottom and been relegated at the, se- at the end of the season. So I think Bath would be making it eight from eight. Two of them, London Welsh in 14-15 and Rotherham in 2003-04, finished with no wins, uh, lost all their games in that season. So that's not out of the question. No, I'd like to be able to get a couple. <laughs> and won't, it be, won't it be sweet when we do? Boxing day at the wreck. Maybe. Maybe, mate. <laughs> um, I, I was going to call out a couple of, couple of more positive things, hmm. um, Please, just, just quickly. So I think there were some monumental efforts from, from guys in the team. Two, two guys who had to take on additional kind of responsibilities I say so Max Adromo going to 10 I mean we can't have a podcast without showering praise on him but calling the shots from 10 and something that I thought was really interesting in the huddles or the kind of semi-fragmented huddles um, a bit like our defence under the, the the posts when we when we scored we, we conceded those those tries in the second half it was really notable I thought how he was the guy in the middle of the huddle he was the guy geeing people up rallying the tubes Remember, he's a senior not, academy player who's, who's come in to the senior squad and is now looking like a bit of a leader. And obviously, he's, you know, he's confident, he's playing well, he's, he, he's riding a bit of a wave. But I just thought it was so strange, also impressive, but also just, just strange and concerning that he 
was the one taking ownership with with leadership. With Charlie Yules, his the club captain, kind of stood right there, and then you know Charlie Yules got got taken off on I think about sixty minutes without an injury, and I thought again that was that was that was probably a little bit a little bit telling um, as, as as well that maybe people are starting to lose a bit of faith in in him as in him as captain. So that's yeah a drama, and then Tom De Glanville as well stepping up and doing the kicking and striking it striking it very nicely and. Seems like there's nothing he he can't do. And then one guy, Sam Underhill, who I, I mentioned, I thought that I think the scoreline, if Saints had executed a bit better, but I think if he hadn't got a few last-ditch turnovers or put in some huge shots close to our, I think the scoreline could have been quite a lot worse. I think we could have been looking at 50 plus, maybe 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 55. I don't think we would have got up to the the, the standard 71, but I um I I think if it hadn't been for him, there would have been a couple more tries. He was he was a monster. Turnovers, defence, and also carrying really hard. And um, yeah, without without him, I, as I say, I think I think I think he carried the team at, at times. So yeah, just 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 three guys that I think is worth worth calling out amongst the chaos. Yeah, I, I think that's spot on. I, I actually think particularly in the second half, there was some there was some brilliant brilliant performances from from Bath players. And that's incredible to say we're a team that concedes 40 points and, and, and loses by 21 points. Um, and I think there were some genuine nine, eight, nine out of 10 performances from those guys. They were outstanding. But I think they were carrying some guys who, who were sort of one or two out of 10 performances, Tom. And I, I'm going I'm to name who I didn't think was good enough on, on Saturday. And obviously, you know, if there is players listening... This may be an opportune moment to to skip forward or or just frankly turn off, but but I think Bath fans are all too quick to name Hooper, Hatley, Charteris, Lily, Williams, Tarquin, Bruce, these guys for, for for the position of the club. But I think on Saturday the players need to take some responsibility for for that performance. It was it, it just wasn't good enough, and I think Fox, Cipriani, Ellis, Ray, Yules, Dunn, Muir, and Stewart. All of them were not good enough on Saturday, um, and there's some interna- England internationals in there. There's some really, really, you know, high high value players in there. There's some guys who I know are good enough to be um, Bath players, really effective Bath players. There's some guys in there I, I don't think are good enough to be Bath players, um, but I think all of them are not having good enough seasons. Um, and yes, that's probably down to some of the coaching and some of the systems, but I think. At times on Saturday, some of the individual efforts, I personally, Tom, don't think were good enough. Yeah, I, 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 maybe you're right. I mean, I'd probably agree on on, on a couple of those guys. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Tom Dunn, Will Stewart, Charlie Yules. The, these these are guys who, if you were to scroll back through previous versions of, of this podcast, you would hear us waxing lyrical about. And these and no no and, and these players don't come bad overnight. And I I I also think that these players don't lose their appetite and, and their efforts, their careers ultimately that they're that they're that they're fighting for. And um, you know, Dunn and and Yules having spent you know obviously their whole whole time at Bath. I I I wouldn't. I don't think effort is 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 probably the right word. I, I just think that the application isn't 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 there. There's no there's no consistency and maybe the faith in some of the. The, the coaching and the setup is is starting to be to be lost. So yeah, I, I think you know it doesn't it won't take this podcast to for those players to realise that maybe there's they've let themselves down. And, and I, I hope some very difficult conversations, not just management speak. I hope some very difficult conversations are, are happening in that in in that Monday Monday review. 
Yeah. No, I, I, and I, I'm not saying that 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 these guys aren't are bad, bad players, Tom. But I do think that you know, be it coaching, be it just the drop of form, be it tiredness from from all the rugby they've been playing, like mm-hmm. they just some of the guys, Tom, just don't just do not look a shadow of themselves. And and yeah, yeah. They look bad as coach, but I think the the form of some of these guys is yeah is is really concerning. And I think Europe. Maybe an opportunity to freshen that up, although freshen it up with what is is probably the question, given the the, the injuries we've got and and some of the depth issues that that we've identified previously. Tom, before we get on to to talking about Europe, um, you know, we did we have forgotten over the last couple of weeks. Well, I don't know whether we've forgotten or whether we just didn't want to keep saying that the Thicter rating was zero. We've forgotten to do our our Thicter rating reading Tom before you give yours um, live from Franklin's Garden why don't you just quickly explain for those new listeners like the one you accosted in the pub in Northampton what the the fixture rating is and what it represents well have you forgotten what the Richter scale is again oh, or, no, um, but the listeners may need a refresher <laughs> no we've, we've always always been the motto on, on this podcast you know stick behind the boys through through thick and thin um, you know, rugby, rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, which has been which has been stolen by our um, by by other other club rugby podcasts, name, naming no names. Anyway, going down the wrong rabbit hole. So yeah, it's just it's just a scale that we we, we try and we try and come up with to try and normalise some of the some of the, the the stuff that we we see over the season and and, and week to week. So ranges from one to ten, one or I think zero really being kind of the lowest. The lowest, so the thinnest we can we can possibly get um, a tremor, not nothing to take from it. And there's been certainly over the last few weeks some pretty low registerings, I think, on on that scale, right up to ten, where where we, we've been nowhere near. I think the highest we've had is possibly a, a five this 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 season, and that really was when we were clutching onto some kind of some kind of straws. So um, yeah, so one to ten, and I think. Yeah, overall, I'm 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 giving it a two this week, G. Um, I think, and that that's maybe a bit generous. We, we would know, as we've said, we've nowhere near the required standards against. I think a Saints side that probably didn't play their best and probably could have executed a little bit better in 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 some areas and have played better throughout the season. I think layered on top of that, a nice little uh, shitty cherry on top of the the che- the cake is injuries to two of our key leaders in our squad. So Josh McNally who you know don't know kind of how bad that is and also Ben Spencer who is a guy that's so key as, as we know and he it, it was it looked it looked to me and I've seen it reported that it was a it was an arm injury for him but then there was another report on Somerset Live saying that it was it was lower leg again so it's some it's a, it's a limb that he is injured <laughs> we're not quite sure. we're not we're not quite sure how bad it is but I mean it, it it didn't. It didn't. Look, it didn't look great at all. So if he's out for for an extended amount of, amount of time, then that really does really does pile on the pain. So yeah, it's a, it's a two for me. An unidentified limb that Ben Spencer is injured. Um, yeah, just looking at social media quickly. Tom at Barthorby plug on on Twitter. If you're not following us, um, ask for some of the fans' Victor scale readings. John Andrews saying the home fans near us were disappointed with only six tries and thought they didn't play very well, as you say, Tom. After a decent performance for Exeter, we were back to our woeful worst. Doubling could be very painful. Victor of a two. 
Um, and Rob Jones saying, thick to scale of one, defence shattering into pieces at times. Injuries often come when players are not giving 100%. Not to dig at the players. I don't think they're motivated to play for Hooper at all anymore. Um, so, yeah, echoing a few of our thoughts there, Tom. Nice, as always, to get the thoughts of the fans, as you say, by the fans, for the fans. I'm actually going to give it a one, I think, uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty downtrodden about the whole situation. Um, I think you would be too if there was some some relegation looming, mate. But I, I think, yeah, you've somehow become um, yeah immune or, or I don't know what the right word is, numb, as you've said a few times, to, to what is just a, a dire situation. And, and change, uh, additions, changes in the coaching, um, potentially some changes in the, in the team selection in my book, just, just can't come soon enough at, at this point. Um, whether yeah. that, be, sorry, mate. Go well, whether whether that be someone um, like like um, Louis van, it's not Louis van Gaal, who's the former Man United manager, um, who's the the monster coach, Tom, that we've been been rumored um, to. Johan van van Graan. Johan van Graan, yeah. So the the current monster coach out of contract at the end of this season, um, reported in a couple of places today to be the top of Bath's list to, um, I guess, replace Stuart Hooper as the top man. Tom, I don't think this is something that will, will be happening mid-season, um, so maybe not something imminent, but 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 a, a sign maybe that, that Bath are sniffing around some top names. Yeah, and I mean, Stuart Hooper in his, his, his post-match interview said that, that was a phrase he used, sorry, he said, we're close to getting someone in. Um, so... <laughs> That's classically vague. I mean, that could that could mean anything from a, a cleaner to a chef to a defence coach. Um, but he, yeah, I mean, what he means by that, obviously, whether you'd hope that means defence coach after the recommendation that came out of that that review. Um, I think in 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 Johan van van Grant's case, I think you know he's he's got a fairly, um, uh, I would say, fairly illustrious kind of career. Obviously, being being. Dor head coach of of Munster is a is is a is a big job. Replaced Razi Erasmus, who who you know all our listeners will will have, have will be familiar with given given kind of recent months. Um, spent five years with South Africa as well, so he's 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 a he's a guy of real pedigree. He's not going to be coming in and and, and doing a defensive role, re- reporting into Neil Hatley and Stuart Hooper, partly because of that pedigree, but also because he's never had a defence coach role. It's only ever been forwards coach or, or attack or kind of a head coach role so yeah I mean you said to me before the podcast whether this is just his his agent bidding bidding up his his value for a, a new deal with Munster I mean it, it could be it feels like every single coach that comes out of contract or is, is mentioned in, in some podcast or um, newspaper column will be linked to Bath it feels like that's kind of um uh, you know, now we've let the cat out of the bag that we're looking for someone. We're being linked to everyone, so I, I don't know what that 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 means. But I mean, he's 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 clearly a very very good good uh, good good coach and and got a great record. So if if he he does come in at the end of the season, um, then I, I I don't think that'll be a bad appointment at all. Yeah, I completely agree with with what you've said there, Tom. But as you say, it's not going to happen now. And what this team needs, or you know. 
without the jeopardy, maybe it doesn't. But what this team does need is is some experienced coaching in it, uh, of that disorganised defence, as we say, Tom. And and it's going to be exposed even further, I fear, in in Europe as we we move on, Tom, to to talk about Bath's European adventure. You know, it is tough that we've been drawn with these two teams. Like I was looking at the the bookies odds uh, for the European Cup and these are two of the top three favourites with the bookies to actually lift the trophy in Leinster and La Rochelle of course the two teams that that Bath will face Tom I don't think we're going to get out of this group I'm not sure we're going to win the European Cup so what can we get out of um, these these games What what I guess from your point of view would be a positive result apart from a load of positive results from Bath in COVID and not to have to go. <laughs> I think that's the only positive thing that will come out of, of, of this weekend. I, I genuinely don't know where to, where to start with this. I mean, you know, like we say, we've, we've clearly got nothing to lose really, apart from, I mean, we've, it, we've sunk as, as low as we ever have as a, as a club in terms of string of, string of defeats, um, bottom of the league, et cetera. Um, and I, 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 I don't think, it can get kind of much worse. There's no expectations, unlike in the Premiership, on Bath to to get out of this group or to to win any of of these games. Um, but I'm, you know, we are, there. As you said earlier, there is a lot of a very high volume of, of matches at the moment, and we we have got injuries, um, you know, throughout throughout our squad in, in in key position groups and key players. But I think I think despite all that, we really need to put our best foot forward with this and try and salvage some kind of pride, try and get something, something going. I think if we just, if we just send the kids over to, or send a second string outfit over to, um, over, over to Dublin, it, it kind of does three things. It lets some of the more senior players off the hook when actually they, they probably don't deserve to be, and they probably need to step up and, and suck it up along with, along with everyone else. It also, what kind of message does it show to to fans who are going out there or who are, who will be watching along on 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 Saturday if we just throw the game? And also, you know, to those to those younger players who they do send out, we we, we send them out to get thrashed. What does that do to to general morale and to to you know over, the overall the overall dynamic in, in 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 the squad? So I think, despite the the volume of rugby and despite how hard a game this is going to be, I, I do think we've we've got to attack it as as much as we can and I think we will because I think I get the impression that jobs are on the line and every kind of kind of kind of game counts so that that that's how I'd approach it and I I, I, I don't think it will change the result ultimately but it may be that we salvage salvage something and and, and then take this back into into the premiership yeah I guess the question is kind of be going to be who we got available to play like who's going to play at 10 if Bailey's not fit, Cipriani doesn't pass his HIA or whatever's wrong with him, you know, who's actually going to play at 10? I got, the impression, I got the impression that the Bailey, and we haven't had the injury report yet, but I got the impression that the Bailey injury was, wasn't was serious and that he he was just, he was pulled out late in the game. Cipriani will obviously go through the HIA protocol. So, um, you know, we may have one of those guys back, but if not, I mean... You, you, you'd probably think it would have to be a George Warboys potentially, um, or a. How did Glanville do it? 
I don't know why he didn't really step up on into that position on Saturday. I know you said that you were worried about Biggers kicking at, at 15 when we discussed it, but but that to me seemed like a more sensible option. It would have meant that we could keep the back line completely the same pretty much and just have the Glanville at 10. And, you know, I remember a few years ago or a couple of years ago, we were discussing where we thought the Glanville's best position was going to be. And he has played some rugby at 10. Yeah, I think it was who you would have dropped back to fullback. So you you probably would have dropped back what Will Muir um, and that. Rocco. Sorry? Rocco for his kicking game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think a big, uh, big part of his game was kicking and he was putting up some serious aerial bombs, sort of spiral punts. Um, I, but I think if we had I think, back, we could then... I think, I, think they just, I think they just took the view that there was kind of... It was kind of damage limitation, kind of damage limitation in some ways to keep that structure. Glanville was coming up into the line quite a lot as kind of de facto first receiver, but I think they just wanted an out and out fullback at the back. Yeah, but I mean for for Saturday, then if we don't have Saturday, those, might happen. I mean, it just depends who's who's available to fill in at, at, at fullback there. I mean, we're not we're not stacked with options. Rory McConaughey was obviously picked up a knock last week, so whether whether he'd be back, Anthony Watson's out as, as as we know Darren Atkins I mean he, he didn't look to be playing his best rugby so whether he he, he would fill in but other than that there's no one really who who can go back there yeah so I, 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 I don't know Actually, we just got to hope that but yeah. Bailey makes it through I think um, but as I don't, I don't think it will I don't, I don't think it will matter hugely I mean you know it is going to depend on those guys that pulled out late. Are they are they going to be available? Jonathan Joseph, Roy McConaughey, um, Bailey, Josh McNally. I'm, I'm I'm assuming that Ben Spencer won't be. I mean, that looked like a relatively a relatively serious injury. But I mean, you know, other than that, we are starting to get guys coming back from from injuries. I mean, if I if I look across the squad, with the with the exception of fly half and 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 centres, where we 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 do look a bit light, we're starting to see. Um, you know, we're, start, we're starting to see a fuller picture of, of, of availability. So I think we, we we could put out a relatively decent side if uh, if, if 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 we want to. Mm. I think we have to. To your point, we just we have to just we can't. We have to play the strongest possible team. I'd be pretty pissed off, and I'm not going. But I'd be pretty pissed off if we didn't. I think. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it, it would send a bad message. But I, you know, just to go back to Leinster, I was having a little look at their season and their squad. I mean, they're a formidable outfit, as we know, and they're in serious form in the domestic um, URC, the United Rugby Championship, as it's it's now known. And obviously, a lot of their players were were in sparkling form in the Autumn Internationals. Where obviously, they 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 beat New Zealand. I mean, just look, looking through their squad. I mean, just let, let me read read a few names. So Furlong, Porter, Kelleher, Cronin, Toner, Ruddock, Van der Fleer, Caelan Doris, Luke McGrath, both Byrne brothers, James Lowe, Robbie Henshaw, Jordan Larmour, Gary Ringrose, Hugo Keenan. And that's before you even mentioned the guys and, and Joe Cullen released a, an injury update earlier today. That's before you even um, consider the guys coming back from injury. So Jameson Gibson-Park, who is back in full training and is expected to be available again. And then just a, a quartet that some of you may have heard of, of these names, Kean Healy, James Ryan, Johnny Sexton, Jack Conan, who are all back in training and are kind of being assessed through the week. So we know that Leinster kind of targets these, these, this competition much more than their, their domestic league. And, uh, you know... Uh, 
I just feel it quite brutal because you know what what concerns me is how ruthless they can be when they start to get dominance over over teams as we saw <laughs> when we went to Leicester. And I mean, if you if you look at this season, played seven, five try bonus points, thirty one tries, and their points difference in the league is more than double any other team in the league. Yeah. So I mean, it's yeah, it's it, it, it's not going to be pretty watching, and that I think is all the more reason why we can't just 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 throw throw guys in to, to, to be pumped. No. Cricket score incoming from Brisbane on Tuesday night. Cricket score incoming from Dublin on Saturday afternoon as well, Tom, I, I fear. Oh, sadly, yeah. No, no chance of being rained off in Dublin, though. <laughs> yeah, God. It, like, the 71-point mark is like, it's, it's in danger oh, going again. That's glass ceiling, I think. I, I genuinely think that we, we can smash through that. Uh, I, I do. Oh, God. Anyway, I'll give you a positive to finish the podcast. I was thinking about this. I think I mentioned to you on Sunday. So we watched the Leicester game, didn't we, against um, against the against Quinns. And, um, you know, they won their ninth game out of nine against the champions and they've had an unbeaten record. And I was, yeah, I was just kind of, just kind of thinking about it a bit more. And obviously they were in absolute dire straits. They had terrible forward pack that just looked so un-Leicester their, their coaching setup was was in tatters um, they would have gone down as would we probably they would have gone down if it wasn't for Sarri's salary cap breaches and, and the points deductions um, but you know ultimately it seemed like they were miles away and they were they, it would take them years to rebuild but the reality is that the, you know these are all fine margins and you're never, I don't think you're ever quite as bad as you think you are and as, as we think that the, the, the Bath are. So, you, you know, with the right changes that they made, Borthwick, et cetera, and the right application which they've made, you know, they have, they have turned it around. And I think that's got to be the straw, man. That's got to be what, we, what, what, what we, we try and do. We look at that as a bit of an example. What changes did they make? They're probably hard decisions that they have to take from the squad and coaches. But you can turn it around in a relatively short amount of time. And I, we've obviously got the player group if they hang around and the facilities, et cetera, et cetera, to, to do that. So it can, it can happen, G, and you know, it's dark times this season, but just imagine how sweet it would be if we do turn it around and we, 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 you know, we're flying high top of the league in a couple of seasons' time. Well said, mate. Bear that in mind if you are making the trip to, to Dublin. Um, yeah, maybe can't get worse than this, but, but it may turn around and get a lot better quite quickly. Um, if Leicester are an example to follow. Tom, thank you so much for those encouraging words to end the podcast. And thank you for joining me as always. We will be back next week, come rain or shine, come thick or thin, to review that um, that game uh, in, in Dublin, clearly provided it goes ahead. Um, and if you are going, have an absolutely wonderful time. I'm sure you will, no matter what happens on the field. And you guys and everyone else listening, stick behind the boys through thick and thin.